0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. I want. I didn't plan to do this, but I want to start out with a headline from ripped from the headlines. Haley McEnany says Trump wasn't given, quote unquote, an orderly transition of power in 2016. No, he was. Amanda Hernandez from USA Today says so. Well,
1: then it's decided.
0: Um, she goes through and, you know, Clinton conceded and Barack met with Donald and Joe met with Mike and everything was good, except for that little pesky, let's investigate him. And let's do all the FISA warrants. And the comment of I well, don't know if I should share intelligence with him. Well,
1: but but it was uh, okay. Basic and remember the investigating and the FISA warrants were ongoing before yes, Before yes. he was even elected. So well, it, it, actually, it, was, actually, it started out as a prevent him from getting elected. And then when he did get elected, it shifted into destroy his presidency while he's elected. And Conveniently forgotten in all of this as well is, oh, and let's let's entrap his incoming national security advisor, General Flynn. Oh, maybe we can use the Logan Act. That's a good idea, even though that's a statute that no one's ever been prosecuted under for 180 years. Oh, and also the FBI actually dropped that investigation because they had no evidence against him. And Comey at the top of the list said, uh, no, no, let's keep that open because we have we have some plans for General Flynn, and so Barack Obama was briefed on all of this in that famous meeting. Which Susan Rice, then two weeks later, writes that bizarro memo. You know, sort of like the accountant for the mob, saying, uh, "I'm writing a memo that the, uh, yeah, Big Tony says keep all of the books on the up and up, where we have a legitimate waste management business we're running here." So. Again, it's more it's more gaslighting from these people. This idea that Trump was given every every courtesy they bent over backwards. I sort of remember, Chad, that the first day, the first day after the election, the Washington Post ran an editorial saying they should start impeaching him. Yes. So, yeah. And Hillary Clinton has never accepted the election, nor have any of the Democrats. And in fact, Chad, what was her advice to Joe Biden going Don't into this election behind? Don't
0: concede under no circumstances, under no circumstances should you concede. So I, I didn't intend to start the show with that, but I just saw that as as, as pulled up the show. I, I, First of all, do you think okay, back up a second? Was the Kraken released at in any way, shape, or form the other day with uh Trump's lawyers, including uh Rudy no. you, you feel like the Kraken got released well or, no and i'm like, I, and we should sand crab <laughs> well it's, it's here's the thing I don't
1: know enough at all about the claims that Sidney powell uh and Linwood Wood and Giuliani are making now. Let me put it this way: given what we have observed from the Democratic Party and its minions within the government over the last four years, I've never been a tinfoil hat guy, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I will say this: I'm not willing to say that they wouldn't stoop to any measure again. We just lived through four years where they attempted to claim that the president was a Russian spy based on nothing, based (laughs) on a fake, pathetically fake dossier that – by the way, I think you've read the dossier, right? Yes. Okay, you and I both read it. By the first page – You don't have to be some CIA operative. It reads like a bad mashup of Danielle Steele and Robert Ludlam. It is ridiculous on its face. They spent four years trying to take down a sitting president using that pretext, using leaks, using unmasking, lying to the FISA courts repeatedly, doing midnight raids against low-level You know, guys like Roger Stone, who's look, who's corrupt and whatever. So, if you're going to then look me in the face and say it's absurd for you to even contemplate the idea that someone could use electronic vote, I'm not willing to put anything past them. Now, do I know that that's what happened? No. Have I seen evidence in court testimony yet that that's happened? No. So. I'm not really willing to go there in terms of an explanation for what went on, because between you and me, I have seen enough circumstantial evidence just in the ballot margins and the turnout rates and the affidavits that have been filed. By the way, the mantra, there's no evidence. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of affidavits. Now, Chad, imagine, for instance, that this was something that was going on in Georgia when Stacey Abrams lost and claimed, of course, that the election was stolen from her with literally, we want to talk about no evidence, no evidence. If Stacey Abrams had produced a hundred affidavits from poll workers that said, um, my opponent had ballots that were backdated, people were non-residents coming in from Alabama and voting, the media would have played that on a loop 24-7, okay? But now all we'll we hear stuff. is there's no evidence. We don't, we don't have any evidence. There's no evidence. Oh, there's, there's tons of evidence. The question is, is the evidence sufficient to swing the election back? And in my view, it's not going to be for a whole
0: host of reasons, and we could talk about that. Well, in my opinion, there's so many things that may or may not have happened. See, here's a, a conspiracy requires multiple people. Right, and to pull off a conspiracy, you need people in a lot of places. You don't need a lot of people, but you need a lot of people in a lot of places to pull it off. Now, you can say there were—I think there were 56 counties before the election that they thought really were pivotal as to whether or not we were who was going to win the election. Let's assume you need you 56 counties, probably two or three people per county, maybe if they're in the right positions. That's still quite a few people have to keep a secret now i don't know if there was a far field conspiracy i'm not even projecting that but would it would it be hard for somebody who says i'm an anti-trump i hate trump and i'm in a position to do something on my own is that possible is there a mail delivery person now i'm going to give you an anecdote here a couple of anecdotes i have not received my netflix dvds on time. Over the last six weeks, six to eight weeks, uh, they're just lost. I've ordered stuff from Amazon. Amazon does lose things, but I am routinely not getting my stuff through the U S postal service. Is it possible? It's never been shipped maybe. And they just said it was, it's a new scam or it's just lost because somebody isn't doing their job. I don't mean like it's a day or too late. I mean, weeks not showing up for weeks. Is it possible somebody's taking it upon themselves or a number of somebody's? Hey, I just put a little bug in somebody's ear. If you have an opportunity to affect an outcome, maybe something goes missing. Maybe lots of something goes missing. Possibly. Well, well, here's here's the thing. Okay. I, I slightly differ with
1: you in this respect. It doesn't require a conspiracy. Now here's what I mean. When you're talking about how elections are run and I'm not just talking about 2020. I'm talking about historically and not just federal elections, local elections in places like Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee, add in Chicago, the system is inherently corrupt from the get go. This isn't some big secret. okay? so for instance, for instance, it doesn't require all it requires is you've got all the people that are counting the votes and what they're told is, which, by the way, is what they're told in every election because they believe this is. Every ballot that comes in gets counted. Now, that doesn't work very well when you have the predominant number of people voting in person. But when you have instituted a regime of mass mail-in balloting, which is in and of itself an invitation, an open engraved invitation for fraud, and we can talk about why, all you need to do is have the philosophy that says, listen – I'm not checking that screen to determine – and by the way, just so people understand, on registration rolls, there's a lot of facial information that can be checked immediately. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to look – if you get in one of those secrecy envelopes, okay, so there's the envelope, and here's the other key, just so people understand this. The ballot itself – does not have any identifying information on it other than a signature, and the signatures are not allowed to be cross-checked, nor can you really cross-check them effectively. But once that ballot is put in the pile of other ballots, it might as well be, you can't verify where it's from, and that's the idea. The envelopes are the key. But if those envelopes are coming in, and there's a screen, and the person that's counting is told, we don't care whether it came in two days late, We don't really care whether it's not the right precinct. You get a ballot, you count it, okay? That can amount to tens upon tens upon tens of thousands. I will tell you, you have an anecdote? Here's an anecdote. I won't mention his name. Uh, This just sort of gives you a glimpse into how the sausage is made, okay? There's a lawyer from my firm um, who is locally tied into the GOP, and he was asked to go down and do the provisional ballot counting, meaning to be an attorney who watched on behalf of Trump, the GOP. Okay. Now, just so people understand provisional ballots, these are ballots that people fill out when they're at the poll, they want to vote, but they either don't, they don't have their ID or they're not in the right precinct, whatever, but they're allowed to vote. And then they fill out a ballot and then it's provisional, meaning it's counted for the day, but then it has to be checked. Okay. It has to be checked to see whether it's actually validly filed. So those are segregated and then this is in every election people then check those and determine whether or not they should be cast, all right? So this is just like again this is a I give you a two minute summation of what happened to my friend in a in a blue central pa city that that is nothing like Philadelphia, okay? Meaning yeah, it's blue, but this is not Chicago style Philadelphia style machine. And yet and yet he says he shows up there at eight o'clock. There's another attorney that's with him. He doesn't know her. She's also there for the GOP. They're supposed to be there to count the provisional ballots. The first thing he's told is they're in the hallway. Um, you guys have to watch this through a monitor. <laughs> so he looks at the monitor and he says, okay, I, I can barely see even the people that are in this room. It's like a ceiling-mounted camera. It says, I can't tell what's going on. I can't see the ballots. And by the way, since the way the process works is every ballot that's taken out, if there's a problem with it, you have to challenge it, and your objections are written on the back of the ballot. He said, I can't. how am I making objections to ballots that I can't see from the hallway? Mm-hmm. So he says, this is not acceptable. And if you insist on making us do this, I'm going to go to the courthouse. We're going to get an injunction. Okay. so the guy that's in charge says, "Okay, fine. Uh, By the way, very angry, very profane. He makes them sit in the hall. The guy that's running the election center for six hours, they sit in the hall from eight o'clock to 2 p.m. When they finally go in first ballot that comes up, this guy's there. My friend says he can look on the screen. He sees the woman that has voted. She's registered to vote now in Washington state. Okay. We're in Pennsylvania. Also the information indicates that she's not voting in the correct precinct. That's a problem. You have to vote in your correct precinct. So he says there's two facial objections to this ballot being cast.
0: Right.
1: He says this, the guy goes ballistic, starts calling him a fascist, dropping every F bomb in the book. He said, this goes on for hours. He said, it got to the point where every ballot that I challenged the guy would write same, the word same on the back and throw the ballot on the floor. He refused to actually write the, the objections. <laughs> and he said, he said, I've never encountered anything like this. This is three hour window into a a relatively mid-sized central PA city. Just imagine mm-hmm. what, and this is the person that's running the election counting, okay? No concern about lawfully filed ballots, intentionally trying to intimidate a lawyer that only reason he's there is to ensure a valid count. Extrapolate that to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of ballots, millions of ballots in places like Detroit. And you can see when people say, oh, it's impossible. There's no fraud. Fraud is rampant mm-hmm. and it doesn't have
0: to be a conspiracy. It's not a big secret. It's out yeah. in the open. This is what we're doing. and And that might be realistic as well in those big big cities i i don't disagree i think i've heard enough heard enough different affidavits written about especially in Philadelphia where they had to go there's no
1: there's no affidavits Chad there's no
0: evidence well yes no evidence if we say there's no evidence enough times then there won't be any evidence even though there's evidence but we don't like the evidence so we just disregard it because it's evidence we don't want to hear that that to me is the the problem i don't know how you fix this because well, get rid of mail-in ballots. Exactly, that's uh, the only way to fix it. But it doesn't—it doesn't change the lackadaisical manner in which the whatever does come in is counted. It doesn't change the the fact that they're not doing a professional job. And part of that might be because they're getting paid a hundred dollars a day to do it, and they don't really care uh, because they don't really care what happens, and or they really want a different outcome. So you're going to make it, f- or or they want to intimidate. Isn't that voter, or isn't that? Uh, intimidation of some sort with your lawyer friend? Well, sure. But the interesting thing is this is the other perverse part of this
1: under the rules of how that count is supposed to go. The guy that was doing the intimidation is the guy that determines whether you can be thrown out for quote unquote disrupting the counting process. (laughs) So part of his strategy was I'm going to be over the top belligerent to see if I can get a rise out of this guy and then throw him out when he responds to me. That was clearly what he was attempting to do. But again, what kind of crazy system allows that guy to behave like that with no no monitoring, right? What should have happened is there should be someone in place the minute they see that the first time, that guy is removed. He's done. He has nothing yeah. he he has no role. But see, that's the problem. And one of the things you just said what we need to understand is there the Democratic Party's position is there should be no rules that allow anyone to disqualify a ballot, right? So their perspective is, well, who cares if it's filed two days late? You know, (laughs) it's still a person that should get to vote. Well, who cares if they didn't get the required signature from the person at the precinct who's the head of elections? Because many of these kind of ballots require those kind of things as sort of redundancy. Who cares? That's a stupid reason. Who cares whether they've moved to a different place? All it is for them is count all the votes, count all the pieces of paper. So if you have a whole bunch of people that are doing the counting that have that philosophy, they're not going to discard ballots because, Oh, look, the priest, what do they care? They're, they're told and they believe I have this ballot. Someone deserves to have this
0: counted and it's going into the pile. That's it. Yeah. I, I think part of my concern is, you're going to have 100% voter turnout on these big elections for the Democrats in the cities, whether there's 100% of the people there or not, you're going to 100% have percent.
1: 100- they're not trying. Okay. hundred percent is a poor performance. It's more oh. like 217% or
0: whatever. And, and that's the deal in Pennsylvania. We have, we've been pushing for years. Well, a lot of people have been pushing for years for voter ID, meaning you have to show up with a valid government ID to vote. You, you talk about have to show ID. You have to show well, ID by to... the way when you say government ID, license. Yeah, a driver's
1: license. license. Okay. This is not some special,
0: yeah, some special to... thing that has to be issued by the CIA, right? It's... it's something you get for you, did you need, and we've talked about this many times. It's something you need for almost everything else in life, short of you pay cash and you never travel. That's that's been a push. You don't have to show ID. In the state of Pennsylvania, you do not have to show ID to vote. They, you don't even have to show your voter registration card to vote. You say your name, that they, they, you sign a book, maybe it matches, maybe it doesn't. And they're not allowed to check. They're not no, allowed they to check. Reply. So when we say show your ID, would that cut down on the in-person voting? Or as you suggested two weeks ago, if you want to get an absentee ballot, you got to show your ID to get it. You can't just request it and never actually show up. If that's true, then that would help with the process. I've got a better suggestion. Wait, for, When you say it
1: would help with the process, we have two different philosophies about what would help. So well, the one philosophy is we want the process to be as secure as reasonably possible because we right. do want every legal vote to count. But the other, the other side does not view that as a help. That's, That's a hindrance true. because we don't really care about legal votes. We care about – harvesting every possible vote, including votes from dead people and illegal immigrants and whatever else, because we just feel it's unfair to have any rules that prevent anyone from voting. And this gets back to you, what you and I have discussed before, is if you ask me, don't you want to maximize the number of voters? And my answer is no, I don't, because voting requires a baseline of civic responsibility. It's really hard. Here's what it requires. You got to have an ID. That means, first of all, what what's your estimate, Chad? How many people that live in America actually have a license? Ninety five percent, ninety
0: seven percent. Okay, well, you're, you're saying license. I'm saying some because in the state of Pennsylvania, you can get a a valid government ID without having a driver's license. You can get an, your your sure. profile versus.
1: But they're going to say, well, that's a very convoluted process. I'm just talking about the the basic universal identification for most people that want to cash checks and get on airplanes and enter federal buildings and buy beer, right, buy cigarettes is, oh, I have a license. So what is that? 97, 98% of the population? So they're already – Objecting on behalf of an incredibly small minority of people, and my attitude is again, and we're not talking about a subset of people who have physical handicaps, right? There are accommodations for people that can't physically get down to the DMV, all right? That, that's that's why we have provisional ballots. That's why we have other measures. I'm talking about healthy individuals. If you can't roust yourself off your couch to go down and actually obtain a license and then manage to get to the polling place once every four years, you got plenty of advance notice, like plan it on your calendar, then you shouldn't be voting. You have self-selected out of the process and you shouldn't be permitted to vote because you hold your citizenship so cheaply that I don't want you voting. Now that may, uh, some people say that's outrageous. Like, no, it's not. If you can't do that bare minimum as, as a citizen of this country,
0: why should I want you to vote? Well, we, yeah, I want an informed voter. I don't just want anybody who can pull a lever or push a button or something like that. I don't even care about informed. Okay. I mean, you
1: can't control what people, it would be nice if they were informed. Like for instance, they could actually identify the candidates, but nevertheless, that's, that's even a further test. I'm just saying be able to show up one day every four years. We're not going to talk about midterms. Presidential election. Show show an ID. Cast your ballot. It's what? An hour? Okay, maybe like, oh, in some of these cities have to stand in line for three or four hours. You know what? Okay, maybe they do. That's one day every mm-hmm. four years if you want to vote. It's the sacred, right? You always hear from the other side. It's the sacred part of, well, guess what? Then if it's that sacred and that important to you to participate in our democratic process, then I think, you know what? You'll stand in line for three hours for a roller coaster. Yeah. So stand in line, wait, cast your ballot. Not that hard.
0: I, I have not, I've been employed by many different companies. I've never had a company deny me the opportunity to go vote ever. You know, whether I have to leave early, come in late, whatever. They've never denied me the opportunity to vote. Now, there may be companies that do that. I think that would be odd, but they they might do that. Here's my suggestion, at least for the state of Pennsylvania. There's 67 counties in Pennsylvania. Um, I believe Hillary won five of them in 2016. I don't know what the final look's going to be for Biden. Let's say eight. That's a far minuscule amount of counties in the state of Pennsylvania. I talked about this before and you kind of poo-pooed a little bit. I think you should have to win a, a majority of the counties in each state just to claim the votes. I don't care if you win 400,000 extra votes in Allegheny County and Pittsburgh if you didn't vote, if you didn't get any votes in the rest. Well, of Well, the- you're sort of, so what you're doing is you're sort of setting up a mini electoral college within each state. Well, you just pick one, pick Pennsylvania. I don't, I can't speak for any other state because Arizona has six counties. So you'd have to win four of them i guess I, I guess the point is at what point do we say we are we are a country of and we're very divided don't don't let anybody kid you otherwise we are very divided and it's both sides are responsible for that but the uh, disruptor in chief from 08 or from 09 to 2017 bo himself who claims to be the uniter is the complete divider but if if 67 counties are voting and eight of them vote for Joe Biden. That means quite a few counties didn't want Joe Biden. And yet here we are because they don't happen to live in. They're not as populous. Right. Well, but again, that that's that reflects
1: the national map. Okay. so every you look at the red, blue map, it's a sea of red. And then what you have is California blue. New York blue, Chicago blue, Atlanta blue. You've got sort of the upper northeastern corridor, mostly blue, right? So you, if you look at that map and you don't know anything about population density, you would say, well, whoever the red guy is, is crushing it, okay? Because right. uh, what is it? It's probably 80 to 85% of the state's. Um, And of course, I know you break it down by counties or whatever, but so it's exactly what you're, what you're describing is the same dynamic that we have at the national level, which is the reason that the left wants to do away with the electoral college because they simply want to be able to rule the country by using the urban centers on each coast because then all they need, oh, it doesn't matter. We don't have to appeal to flyover mouth breathers in South Dakota. We just jam pack our cities with our voters you know how many how many what is the i don't even know what the current um gap is in california you know they, every year they run up the total in california hillary won california by what something like 4 million votes 5 million votes i don't even know yeah. so then they don't have to be bothered at all to to take into account the interests the geographic differences the the varied means of commerce of any of the middle of the country they don't care they don't need to, they don't need to care about those people they don't need to campaign there they well, never they, need
0: to go there they're scared by anything. their pickup trucks and their guns they they care about nothing other than cities well Literally, sure they care about nothing other than a city if you don't live in a, why do you think the democrats want you to live in a city one they can control you and two you're going to be swallowed up by whatever else is there if you look at california and the great exodus such as it is I'm convinced that's why Arizona went blue because they came over the border and they invaded. So you would think that the people from California who are fleeing because of the high taxes, poor infrastructure, and everything else that goes with living in California would say, oh, maybe I shouldn't continue to vote for that crap because it got us in that situation in California. Yeah, but they They don't. And continue to vote for the same crap and they, they make everybody else suffer because they're stupid. And I'm going to use that word to describe these people. You continue to vote for stupidity and then seem shocked when people don't like it. Governor Newsom, you're a hypocrite and a jerk. You, 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 the, the rules don't apply if you're a Democrat. Andrew Cuomo, you are an idiot. You are a complete and total idiot. And they're, they're giving you accolades. He's getting an Emmy for how he, he conveyed stuff on TV. During the pandemic. Are you kidding me? This guy is a moron. Well,
1: wait, but here's the thing. Again, we'll have some. This is really just a disagreement um, over how you're characterizing him and not (laughs) because he's a disaster. But the thing is, these people are not idiots. They're invincibly arrogant. Okay. That's the difference. So Andrew Cuomo is a smart man. Andrew Cuomo doesn't care that his policies target Orthodox Jews. He doesn't care that on the one hand, he's out there ranting at his press conference that this is a deadly pandemic while completely ignoring the fact that you had tens of thousands of people in the street for the BLM protest. Everyone thought that was just dandy because, again, it's a woke virus and it can tell the difference. Nobody cared that after Joe Biden won, after they were, you know, the Trump rallies are super spreader events. Meanwhile, the minute Joe Biden is deemed to be the president by the media, because under the Constitution the media decides that as you know that they, yes, they've got yes. thousands of people shoulder to shoulder celebrating with their champagne did that cease to exist as a concern so Gavin Newsom the same thing he's telling people you need to wear your mask before bites of food wear triple mask to bed you know don't have Thanksgiving wear a biohazard suit whatever ridiculous daily edict that he's issuing and yet there he is there he is at the famous French laundry a five-star restaurant with oh I just hilariously members of like the medical community, right? All the people that are going to sermonize you about how awful you are. If you don't listen to the science, it's not that they're idiots. It's that they are arrogant and they don't care about the people that they deem to rule. All they care about is their own power. They don't have to mingle with the great unwashed all those mouth breathers that were complaining about the lockdowns, who, by the way, had their lives destroyed, their businesses shuttered. So what? So what? Gavin can still go to the French laundry and have a seven course tasting meal with all of his buddies in the medical community. And Tom Wolfe in our great state, same deal. This These people are completely alienated from and isolated from the people that they are issuing these orders to and so when I hear people say for instance that they're all oh, they're just they're just trying to do their best no they're not because if they were we wouldn't see this incredibly brazen hypocrisy every day where the, they're exempt from the rules and the people that they consider to be on their team right the team blue are also exempt from the rules so don't try to tell me that these people are acting in good faith when there's a double standard about how these rules are applied I refuse to believe that
0: I agree. So I push back a little bit on the stupidity thing because I think you're, they're arrogant. I would agree with you, but I think they're stupid in the fact that they think nobody else can challenge them and they're not going to be held accountable. I think there will be accountability for these people. Maybe not but today.
1: Why, oh, but see, that's the thing, though, Chad. What? Why would you say they're going to be held accountable? Give me an example of anyone in the last four years that participated in all the stuff we just talked about that that's has paid any price for any of this. Go down the list. Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Weissman, McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, on and on and on. Have any of them faced any consequences for
0: this? They have not. And I'm going to quote Ben Shapiro here. If we had an actual media who cared about investigating anything, Biden probably wouldn't be president because we'd have heard about Hunter Biden's malfeasance ad nauseum. You would have heard more about the Comey stuff. You would all this stuff would have actually been investigated, but it's not. It, it's completely swept under, and, and that includes Fox News, at least the news side, not maybe not the opinion sure. side. I I'm kind of disgusted by the fact that I'm supposed to listen to my betters. I'm supposed to listen to the contradictory information that comes out. And you, you're right, Cuomo berates the the reporter at his news conference. Don't they know they're on the same side? Do they not realize they're on the same side? Uh I I am I am beyond disgusted he and, and Cuomo you forgot to mention Cuomo canceling Thanksgiving, but also irate that the police are not going to enforce his edict, his law. He said they don't enforce the law, which he forgets that it's not a law, it's an executive order, which is not a law. Well,
1: the, the king is the
0: law, Chad. Don't you understand it's, that's how it works? Yeah, and in his mind, he it's the law. I I, I get Pennsylvania legislature is controlled by the Republicans, yet they seem ineffectual to stop Tom Wolf at almost every turn from being King Tom the first of Pennsylvania. Well, the thing is Chad
1: though, the only thing that they can do, of course, anything that they try to pass, he's going to veto. So there is no, there is no path for them through the executive. So the only path for them is to go to the courts, which unfortunately the reality in Pennsylvania is As we saw with the absurd decision, we have a democratically controlled Supreme Court. And they're one of the reasons why Pennsylvania is likely go to the Supreme Court because they just invalidated state election law on the eve of an election, just rewrote it because they felt like it. It And so the legislature in many ways is kind of hamstrung by the fact that they're dealing with a governor who will veto anything. And then they're dealing with, unfortunately, the highest court in the state is going to rubber stamp anything that he does or reverse something that that tries to prohibit him from extending extra constitutional powers.
0: Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit, um, throw a little red meat to you. Oh, boy. Um, this wasn't yeah. red enough? No, no, I'm going to, because it ties into something I read this week and it just reinforces what I think about the person who wrote it. To the extreme, Uh, I'm going to say two words, and I I want your first reaction when I say them. (laughs) Raphael Warnock. Uh,
1: Worse than Jeremiah Wright.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Far worse.
1: He makes Jeremiah
0: Wright look like Jerry Falwell. Wow. (laughs) In, In our friend's parlance, Jerry Falwell doesn't look real good. Junior or senior.
1: Well, I'm just, I'm not even talking about morally. I'm just talking about their, their sort of uh,
0: theological worldview. So, and I think I'm, I've grown weary of our friend and his inability to, to actually perform the duties he claims he's doing. He thinks Raphael Warnock would be a great Senator and he's hoping he wins in Georgia. Well, well, of course, he's hoping
1: he wins because he's sold out for the Democratic Party, despite the fact that he denies that. And listen, here's the here's the difference between us. Well, there's many differences. But you and I make no pretense. That we would prefer, from a Christian perspective, to see conservative governance. Now, that isn't always synonymous with Republican, because there are many Republicans who are not conservative. But nevertheless, neither of us pretend that somehow, well, we don't even really deal in sort of partisan calculation. No, I would prefer that the political party that I believe supports more of my beliefs wins. But well, our, friend,
0: our friend denies that he engages in any sort of yeah. calculus like that. Is it fair to say that not all Republicans are conservatives, but all conservatives are Republicans?
1: Well, or I guess if you want to start talking about some version of libertarianism, but yes, sure. let's put it this way. Take your part. The... Um, there, there is nobody that's even close to a moderate. Even though, of course, Joe Biden is supposedly a moderate, and so is Kamala Harris. Hilariously, sure. uh, yes, the, there is no conservative in the Democratic Party. You'd be lucky to actually find what we used to consider to be, uh, a, you know, a classical old style liberal. They, they may still exist, but they're chained in a basement somewhere. So we, we don't really know their whereabouts.
0: Probably in Nancy Pelosi's freezers. Yes,
1: uh, with her, with her nineteen dollar a pint
0: ice cream. <laughs> but you, you brought up her friend. Uh, he, he posted an article this week about, you know, because Raphael Warnock, now get this, this is quite the leap. He preaches at Ebenezer Baptist church in Atlanta. You know who else preached at Ebenezer Baptist church? Martin Luther King Jr. Well, there you go. That's all the proof you need. Oh, right there. They're both black men, both preachers at Ebenezer Baptist church. So they're obviously the same. So therefore Raphael Warnock by that logic is Martin Luther King Jr. reincarnated. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I missed that.
1: No. Well, I mean, and again, I, I doubt that our friend, because remember, the media that he consumes um, doesn't include any of this information. I would encourage people, if you're really interested, and by the way, we should frame this. So if the Democrats, we mentioned this, if the Democrats managed to win the two runoff Senate seats in Georgia, um, the Republicans are running Purdue and Leffler, and it's Warnock and uh, Ossoff, right? Um, If they win both of those races, they control the entire government because the Senate will be 50-50 and Kamala Harris, the vice president, will be the tie-breaking vote. So these are very, very significant elections in terms of the balance of power. I can guarantee you the Democrats are pouring every single resource, every bit of money, every bit of uh, fraud strategy that they can employ because this is is their opportunity, right? This is the brass ring. So uh, Mr. Reverend Warnock, If you do any – well, here's the thing. I'm not sure whether you can find this stuff on Google or Facebook because it's suppressed. I've seen the videos because people who actually do investigations – remember the stuff that the media is supposed to do? They've, of course, unearthed a number of his greatest hits. And the man, unsurprisingly, is a raging anti-Semite. Now, that fits in very nicely with, let's just say, every member of the squad, a former congressman, now attorney general in Minnesota, Keith Ellison. Uh, The Democratic Party has a major anti-Semitism problem, which our friend never acknowledges. It's not even on his radar screen. And so Raphael Warnock has given a number of sermons about Israel, uh, which basically could be charitably described as what we know as blood libel. Um, The media will never notice this. The other thing that he said the other day— and. People can disagree about this, but it's interesting in terms of his political, uh, posturing is that he also said that you can't, you can't serve God and the military. Yep. Now I don't have a problem with a Christian who says, um, my theology is that man should not kill other men. And therefore essentially I'm a pacifist and I cannot participate in military service. That is a, uh, that is a time honored. Uh, belief among certain Christians in the state that we live in, the Amish, um, will not serve in the military, and so that's that is a uh, that's a respectable, reasonable, prayerful consideration. I don't happen to agree with it because I think uh, the moral calculus there doesn't make sense. But nevertheless, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that it is a an entirely legitimate Christian worldview to believe that fighting, killing, being called to kill another human being is not something that. God would want you to do. Fair enough. No, what he's saying is if you are in the military, okay, if you are part of the heinous military-industrial complex, you can't serve God, meaning you really can't be a Christian. Uh, From my perspective, that's very, very close to blasphemy, meaning I have no idea what I would like to hear about is the biblical basis for making that kind of broad brush smear against millions of Americans who are Christians, who have fought, many have died. They've given the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And yet somehow the theology of Raphael Warnock is none of those people were legitimate Christians because you can't serve God. And apparently I'm sure he would frame it as, and be a warmonger, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what, well, our friend uh, pulls a Quotes from our arc from Jack Holmes of Esquire. Oh, well, and there's Esquire. I can't wait. I, I know, I know. Jack Not Holmes. Vanity Fair? Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe highlights for them, too. Uh, he questions why Amy Coney Barrett's faith is off-limit, but Warnock's faith is fair game. I would contend because Amy Coney Barrett was going for the Supreme Court and Warnock is going as a representative of the legislative body of the United States. Well, which wait may- a minute.
1: Well, who said... In what That's universe was her faith off limits? Well, Their there, entire campaign against her was about the fact that she's a snake handling Catholic who can't be trusted to uphold Roe v. Wade. What does that even mean? So he
0: he kind of refers to uh, when she was confirmed on the D.C. Circuit Court as to or, not D.C. Circuit. She was on the Ninth Circuit Court, wasn't she? Uh, because Rubio said, "Well, you know, she was already attacked by Diane Feinstein when she was appointed to." Uh, Kavanaugh's seat and they, they made it all preemptively. You can't go after her faith because, you know, this is what you're doing already. You've already done it and He goes, well, why is that OK? Why is it? Why couldn't we have gone after? Her? You already did it. You already went after her faith. Yeah, it, you not only you. Right. It.
1: So there's a couple levels to this. You went after her faith, but let's make a point, which you alluded to they're essentially establishing a religious test in order to be a judge. Meaning if you're in any way, well, by the way, they would never apply this to other religions. If you were a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim, this would never come up because that's totally kosher under their analysis. It's only of course, if you're an icky Christian, uh, because again, those icky Christians are the ones that don't like abortion and that's our holy sacrament and we must preserve it at all costs. But nevertheless, um, that would have nothing to do whatsoever with her ability to serve uh, as a jurist on the Supreme Court, as a justice on the Supreme Court, it's completely irrelevant. Now, someone, as you alluded to, who's running for a political office Here's the thing. Nobody is challenging Raphael Warnock because he says he's a Christian. What people are challenging are the specifics of what he believes in the same way that if someone was running for office and let's say they were a member of a cult that believed in, I don't know, animal sacrifice, that might actually be something that would be relevant to whether we think that there's someone who should be serving in our government. So he's playing he's it's an apples and oranges comparison and Absolutely. no one is no one is attacking Raphael Warnock because he he has religious faith what we are pointing out is that he holds some very very noxious views and again would the media give a pass to let's say Mr. Purdue If he attended the Westboro Baptist Church, who were the ones that call people murderers and they, they try to, you know, they interrupt people's funerals. They're disgraceful people, right? They're, that would be completely fair game as it should be. So this whole nonsense about, well, why does Amy Coney Barrett get a pass and he doesn't, she didn't get a pass. And the, the issue in her case is completely irrelevant to her qualifications to be a judge it is not irrelevant to whether Raphael Warnock should be representing people in the Senate.
0: I I completely agree. This is the quote from Jack Holmes, which our friend posted. I I love this because it it is so... Just let me read it. Never mind that what Warnock is saying appears to be an adaptation of the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) You got to love those adaptations. I who never was big on militarism. And the link goes to... Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane in um, Matthew 26. He's comparing the speech you're referring to as a a adaptation of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Sure. Sure. In in the fact that they were both said by people. Yes, I would agree. They are the same thing. Uh, Whenever you hear, let's just say, whenever you hear the
1: phrase, an adaptation of the sermon on the mount you know you're you're already in very very dangerous territory yes. the, these adaptations how about we just actually go to the text we don't need to adapt it because guess what when you're adapting the bible you're engaged in an exercise to obfuscate and distort the bible that's what that means
0: yeah well our friend says you know conservative news websites are freaking out because Warnock called the country morally bankrupt for supporting Donald Trump uh, in such large numbers. And okay, church, fair
1: enough. I mean, guess what? That's our friend's position.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he said, he is right. I hope Georgia elects him to the United States Senate. My, my posit here in, in this part of the show was, what, what point do you stop listening to certain people? At what point do they have no more credibility whatsoever to speak into anything you listen to? And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't listen to this guy. If you want to believe what he's saying, great. I think he, for three years and nine months, he tried to play that line like, I'm really a conservative, but I just don't like Trump. In the last three months, it's been overtly, I've been a I've been a progressive liberal from the get go, and I just tried to play this game because I was trying to sell a book. I was trying to play that never Trump or sell a book.
1: Well, it, I don't. I mean, look. I'm not going to speculate about motivations. I think that he actually comes from a place where he legitimately believes he's doing the right thing. I just find that, uh, and it became more and more prevalent as we got closer to the election, that there is absolutely no even-handed, fair-minded treatment of any of any issue. It is, it is just. And look, we all have our own blind spots, right? I'm sure someone could listen to this and say, "Oh, those those two guys are just a bunch of raging MAGA files or whatever." But we at least like do – you know, we do try to grapple with both positions. Now, people may not agree with how we come down on it. That's fair enough. But one of the things that I've noticed about our friend is that he just completely ignores – completely ignores facts that are uh, – here's one that just stuck in my head because it was so fascinating to me. And it's, it's a minor one, but nevertheless, it's revealing. Do you remember when the Atlantic published the hit piece on Trump sourced anonymously that claimed that he called soldiers, losers and suckers, right? Dead American soldiers. Okay. so, of course, our friend was prominently displaying that yet as another indictment. Can you believe Donald Trump said this? What was interesting is you remember what happened? There were people who were actually on that trip uh, who were there, including including Mr. Bolton. Okay. Not exactly a fan of Donald Trump. If anyone has followed how that's gone, he actually wrote a book, uh, harshly critical of Trump and his character. So there were people that were there who firsthand knew what had gone on and they explicitly denied that those comments were ever made. And so here we go. We have the juxtaposition of an article that is unsourced completely anonymous accusation, which the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic came out maybe a week later and said, you know what? Yeah, that's probably not good enough. Hey, you think? Meanwhile, you have people who have gone on the record to say, who were there firsthand, that didn't happen. And our friend's reaction, I'll never forget this, was check out these people who are deflecting from Mm -hmm. the truth. And I'm thinking, what kind of Orwellian universe do you have to live in By the way, as a historian, where you're claiming the anonymously sourced smear is the accurate version that I'm going to promote, and when we have people who are firsthand who are on the record, meaning here we know who they are, we know what their motivations might be in terms of their relationship with Trump, who are denying this, and your conclusion is, Oh, that's just a bunch of deflection. Are you serious? So that's the perspective that you get
0: over and over and over when it came to Trump. I think that's where I'm, I'm struggling to find any, uh, he's given us a lot of fodder. Don't, don't get me wrong. And and if you've listened to our show, I brought him up. Well, look,
1: this is, I want to say this too. This really is not about him. Okay. So in other words, it's, it's representative. It is representative of, of that kind of, of thinking. As I've said before, my biggest problem with it is not really political because I think that Christians, and we've said this I don't know how many times, can fall all over the political spectrum. Now, I might not agree with how those people have arrived at their Position, but I can respect people who disagree on a, a wide variety of issues and how they balance those things. The the Piper Grudem divide, right? Meaning, these are two incredibly godly men. They're they're close friends. They respect each other, and yet they've come down very differently as it related to this past election. I'm not prepared to say. Well, John Piper is a bad Christian because I I find his position something that I don't find convincing. No, the man is, I mean, I've gotten a ton of spiritual knowledge, encouragement, insight from him. Um, He's a man of God and he has done incredible things to advance the gospel. But my critique, my real problem with our friend is, that he takes the position that if you don't agree with him and he's not alone, this is the, this is the mantra. You don't agree with him about Donald Trump. You're not just wrong. You're not just misguided. You're a bad Christian. You are sacrificing your gospel witness. You are destroying the evangelical church. And my response to that is number one, That doesn't sound very godly to me to be tearing down brothers and sisters in Christ because you have a political disagreement with them. But more importantly, why can't we apply that template to him and everyone else? In other words, if that's going to be the template, which is, well, you know, Donald Trump is just beyond the pale. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people think Hillary Clinton was beyond the pale and they thought Barack Obama was beyond the pale. And so apparently they're entitled to tell our friend and anyone else you are destroying your gospel witness because you support that person. It is a very dangerous and a very destructive attitude to bring within the realm of evaluating someone's Christian faith because you disagree with their political commitments. It's a huge
0: problem in my view. And you are right. It, it, it's that fundamental issue where one side thinks we have a difference of agreement on how to get to somewhere policy-wise. And the other side thinks you're evil and will demonize you and most likely like you dead, if, if at all possible. Not, I'm not saying a friend wants anybody dead, but there are people on the other side who do feel like yeah, if Donald Trump had died during COVID, that eh, wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, that kind of sentiment. I never wished for Barack Obama or Joe Biden for that matter or Kamala Harris. I don't want them to die. I just disagree completely with how they want to direct the country. And I think the the issue I'm coming across is we've got, we talked about Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, Newsom. They all want to tell you what to do with everything because they think they know better. They are your moral betters. They are your intellectual betters. They are social betters. They are your better in every category you want to name. Therefore, we have the right and the obligation to tell you how to do everything. And you 70 million mouth breathers, who voted for Donald Trump, how dare you not understand that, that we're better than you and you have to listen. Now, when, when Hillary lost in 2016, I don't know that, eh, there might have been some Republicans, but I don't know that everybody went out as a group and said, man, I can't believe 65 million people or 70 million people voted for Hillary. I can't believe that. There, there must be something wrong with them. You're like, okay, I kind of expected there was a fair amount of people that wanted her. And she didn't win the Electoral College. Okay. But it's it's still the demonizing of 70 million people. I mean, we the, the people who voted for Trump have been compared to Nazis, to the, the Holocaust, Holocaust deniers or people just going along to make a profit. There was a guy on NPR who said in 2016, when Hillary lost, he went to communities that had voted for Trump and he tried to talk to them and they wouldn't change their minds about Trump. Right. So he said up. Oh, I just give up. There's no point in even trying. Right. Well, just remember, and I
1: don't know, I don't think we've talked about this. There are now people, and these are again, see, I I like to make this distinction as well. It used to be that these sorts of things that I'm going to allude to were being said by the fringes of the political landscape, right? Because you know what? You can go online and you can find kookery everywhere. You can find extremism. But no, these are now ideas that are in the mainstream of the Democratic Party. What am I talking about? Well, you have people like Robert Reich coming out and saying we need – literally, we need a truth and reconciliation commission for all of these people that – are among us who need to be punished and reeducated. Perhaps we should strap the rat cage to their face, like Winston Smith. That You have people like AOC and other news people alluding to the fact, We're keeping an enemies list. Chad, if I remember, you know, during the McCarthy era, that was bad, right? We're not supposed to have enemy lists of people with whom we have political disagreements. And yet we need that because you have somebody like Jen Rubin, okay, who's lost her mind uh, with Trump derangement. But nevertheless, this is a prominent columnist, supposedly a Republican, that's about as laughable as it gets, who writes for the Washington Post. And she took the position that we need to ensure that anyone who aided and abetted the sulfurous Trump administration should never be allowed to work again mm-hmm. right they have to be they need to be cast out amongst the lepers so we've gotten to a place and you said you know the the divide in this country sure there's blame to go around Donald Trump as as an individual is not a someone who reconciles uh so Feel free to tar him as a guy who really doesn't go out of his way to try to reach across the aisle. But here's what I will say. The left in this country right now is driving this divide. And they are doing it almost – you don't find people on the right saying things like – Anyone who supported Joe Biden shouldn't be able to work again. Anyone who supported Joe Biden is so evil that we need to make an enemies list and destroy them. Anyone who voted for Joe Biden should lose their job. They should be doxxed. They should be driven from society. They should be publicly demonized. That's what is being said and done to anyone who dares admit Oh yes, we we voted for the guy that they've decided is is Hitler. That's a problem. That is a major problem.
0: Well, you you missed out the best part, which was that they've been talking about we got to deprogram like we did after the Civil War and after World War II with the Nazis, so that we can get our country back because these evil people need to be uh, turned to the right side instead of continuing to be the, I guess the evil people that they think we are because we didn't vote the way they wanted us to that's that's concerning to me that and it should be concerning to everybody listening that this is what we're dealing with here and nobody seems to give it a second thought like well yeah you've got the accountability you've got the you're not going to get a job if you had anything to do with it somebody came out and said uh aoc i'm coming for you if somebody if one person doesn't get a job because of some list that you kept you are responsible. That's, that's, uh, there's some law, I guess
1: she'd be happy to be responsible for that. And again, imagine if this, imagine if this rhetoric, um, and not just rhetoric, it's beyond rhetoric. These are actions now that are being taken. I mean, just look at the, the complete psychotic break at the New York times where that paper is apparently being run by a group of, what is it? Gen Zers who have decided that, uh, not only is it just intolerable that any dissenting viewpoints be expressed, but those dissenting viewpoints are literally making them unsafe, yes. right? Remember this? This is what they said about Tom Cotton when they fired. Oh, he he resigned. The, the, the editor of the uh, opinion page is merely allowing a sitting U.S. senator to express an opinion that riots should be put down or at least potentially put down by using the National Guard. That not only was... Uh, completely unacceptable. How could we publish that? Even though they, they, they've published members of Hamas. Okay. But it made us physically unsafe to allow those words to appear in our newspaper. Now, if you're not concerned about that environment where people are literally claiming, well, what's the slogan? Silence is violence, right? So get, so, so juxtapose this looting and rioting, and assaulting police and bystanders. That's not violence. But silence is violence. Because you must now go beyond mere acceptance. If you do not in full throat endorse our worldview, you're not just wrong. You're not just evil. You're committing violence, Chad. You and I are very violent people, apparently. Because we're not just—we're beyond silent. We're taking the opposite position.
0: That—that's even worse. Well, I—you I, I, have to be somewhat circumspect depending on what group you're in, and that—that's not a world I really enjoy. When you have to say, "Okay," and I know in in, in a corporate environment you can't go and just expouse your uh, beliefs everywhere you go, whether it's religion or politics. Those are the two things. I was in sales for many, many years.
1: Oh, you could you can espouse them if you're if you're voting for Joe Biden.
0: Well, that's true. You could but-
1: decorate your office with a life-size Biden animatronic robot. Just don't don't mention. not isn't, isn't, isn't that redundant? I, we're not talking about Chad. We're not talking about uh, walking around the office with a megaphone with your red maga PJs on. We're talking about if you let slip at a lunch meeting. That you Maybe you didn't even vote for Donald Trump, but you know what? Donald Trump might have done some things that are pretty good, like for the African-American community. You Mm -hmm. will Mm -hmm. lose your job. Now, look, not here in where we live, central Pennsylvania, but you want to work at Google? You want to work at Apple? You want to work at Facebook? You want to work at any of the big tech companies? You better believe it's not circumspection, Chad. It is complete lockdown. You better not utter a word or you're gone. You're gone. Oh, and by the way, also, if you want to teach, you want to teach, you want to get tenure, you want to be published in any one of our esteemed institutions of higher learning, you had better not let slip that you have any inkling towards, I don't know, a random conservative viewpoint. Certainly, you better not have supported Trump in any way. If they find out you donated, remember what happened to, um, Who was the guy in California?
0: Oh, yeah. Prop eight. The guy was in charge of uh, Firefox Mozilla. Yes. Um,
1: His name is escaping me, but he was immediately. And this was a guy that wasn't even a conservative. Uh, He just happened to have a viewpoint that the mob didn't like gone. So circumspection is the least of it.
0: Well, I, I guess I was just saying you. You don't talk about religion, Brandon Ike. That's right. You don't talk about religion when you don't talk about politics in broader society because what ends up happening is you get these conversations. We, we joke, people joke all the time. Well, you know, I got to go and have Thanksgiving dinner, maybe not this year with my crazy uncle, who's going to tell me about some political thing I don't care about and we're going to get into arguments. That is our country right now. You can't, you can't have an opinion that differs from the uh, approved corporate directives, no matter what that directive is, And you know where the directive is most of the time. In most corporations, it's Democrat all the time, every way every way shape and form. you can't just dis- differ from that,
1: and isn't it amazing because what is always the uh the trope which is that it's the wicked Rockefeller Republicans that control all the corporations right because remember corporations are evil I mean that's part of the hymnal right the it's part of the scriptures corporations are evil because you know they make profits or something, and then they use the profits to I don't know, build ICBMs and buy Bentleys for the CEOs or whatever. No, we don't we never remember that there's millions and millions of people who are actually invested in those corporations and that's why we have uh, excellent balances in our 401k's. But nevertheless, that's not even true. Big corporations are wholly owned now, certainly at the management level, by the left. There's I mean, name me a company that you can think of a Fortune 100 company that is not towing the line on every bit of this sort of woke religion all of them
0: do you think that's across the board because they just think you'll leave me alone if i <clears throat> say it's, it's erroneous thinking but they'll leave me alone if i just toe the line because we know the left will never leave you alone they always ratchet it up to something else or do you think they truly believe that and that's why they're taking the company in those directions because i It it could be both.
1: Well, I think it's. I think it's twofold. It's not the one is ideologically they all believe that. I mean, the again, remember we've spent the last four decades churning out these people who have gone from indoctrination to indoctrination, and now they're they're at the heights of of culture. But here's the other thing: these people aren't stupid. They can monetize this. This is just another right. All of the Green New Deal stuff. You got people. Tom Steyer, right? He's a perfect example of this. So, Tom Steyer, I think he ran for president, right? Mr. Billionaire. I think he spent, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of his own money, sort of like Bloomberg, and he's now a radical green activist. How did Tom Steyer become a billionaire, Chad? He ran a hedge fund, and among the investments uh, that made him rich, fossil fuels all around the world. Now, He's found, again, he's found the green religion, and he also realizes, though, guess what? There's, it's better than an investment. I can have unlimited government money, other people's money, flowing into my coffers as we promote every boondoggle to come down the road about carbon neutrality or whatever. So, look, these people are both ideologically committed, but they also realize it's a flip side of another coin and I can make just as much, if not more money shilling this stuff.
0: So that's fine. Run, run to it. I would remiss if we didn't talk about, you brought up the higher education thing and reminded me. Um, on day one, Biden has claimed and we're not going to get into legality of because I don't know if he can do it or not. He's going to cancel $50,000 worth of. Yeah.
1: Can't, yeah. can't do that. But then again, he has the Biden scepter so he can do what he wants.
0: so, I don't. I want to talk about what that means. Well, what
1: what a progressive idea, right, Chad?
0: (laughs) It sounds very moderate to me.
1: Well, not even moderate. Let me understand. You're going to have. You're going to provide a massive subsidy to people who are generally speaking, when we're talking about college graduates, on the upper end. Of the socioeconomic scale. And the people that are going to be subsidizing them are the people that are middle class, blue collar. That doesn't sound very progressive y to me, Chad. It actually sounds incredibly regressive. So I would love to hear someone who's on the left explain to me how that fits with their mantra, right? Because remember, income inequality it's the rich people that are the parasites on the poor people well that sounds like a policy that gordon gecko would come up with and yet you've got people like elizabeth warren all of them are on board with this
0: yeah so i think people don't understand canceling the debt as, as tony's alluding to here doesn't mean the debt just disappears and nobody gets repaid it means the taxpayers you and i and the and the people who didn't go to college gonna pay off that debt. So you're looking at it from the progressive standpoint, but you're missing the, the bigger part of it. Not you're missing, I know you know this. The reason for that is they don't want to they don't want to burden the colleges. They want them to keep churning out mush heads who continue to vote democratic and think socialism is a good thing. And the way to do that is to get these people on your continue to keep them on your side is take away their debt. I mean they still have a gender studies degree it's sure. worth, but at least they don't have the debt that goes with it. So Joe, the plumber down the street gets to pay for them to have their gender studies degree that is worthless. And he didn't go to college, but it's OK. It, it'll be fine. they It's all about power and control. It's always about power and control. And how do we keep it and how do we maintain it? And how do we get more of it if we don't already have it? This makes you beholden to the system, to the government. This makes you. You're going to continue to vote for the people. Hey, you took away $50,000 worth of that crushing debt I have. Wow. That's awesome. I, I agree with you because you gave me something. You gave yeah. me a bit.
1: But And we, you're right. And it, it, ensures, it ensures, here's the other thing. It ensures that colleges will never have to face the harsh reality of the market, which means, right. and what people have been discovering as we're in this COVID era, hey, you know what? Now that I'm forced to kind of do remote learning, I'm not really sure that it should cost $70,000 for me to attend whatever fancy Ivy League school I've been going to because I can do this online at a fraction of the cost. And so what is coming if they don't get this kind of, because remember, once you pay for this, you've now removed all economic reality from that transaction. But if you force colleges to actually justify the incredibly inflated tuition that they are charging, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of colleges that go under. There's going to yep. be a lot of colleges that are going to have to say, well, we either need to dip into our endowment or we're going to have to lower our tuition because guess what? Supply and demand, uh, there's decreasing demand across the board for our product. Yep. So they're not going to be forced to do that. The other thing that colleges might have to do is, you know what? Um, I think that maybe we don't need 17 different associate deans of diversity and bias response on our payroll who are all making six figures to come up with new Saul Alinsky rules for how to patrol the campus, right? You have all of this administrative bloat. They have, should have, operate like any other business. Hey, guess what? Revenues have decreased. We might not be able to spend money on X, Y, and Z. But as you alluded to, they want to ensure that that pipeline keeps running smoothly because it's churning out people that are all going to be not only because of this economic, essentially, bribe, but also because they know they're being indoctrinated in that world view. And so it's a double win. And they're yep. going to continue to guarantee that they have voters who are beholden to them. Because like you said, everyone likes free stuff. Hey, those guys gave me free stuff.
0: Well, and I think that's, somebody said this week, and I can't remember who said it. Uh, if if the colleges, if you took away the, the government subsidy of these loans, that's when tuition seemed to skyrocket. If you took that away and required colleges to place an actual bet on this student to repay it, Yes, and they cancel their debt that the college is on the hook for it. Correct. paid back there. They have to pay back the lender. Maybe we wouldn't have so many degrees in worthless studies. And maybe you wouldn't just take everybody because you're going, you might not graduate and I'm not going to subsidize your failure at this university.
1: Well, and maybe we would have a lot fewer people that were going to college. And of course a progressive would say, Oh, you're, you're anti-education. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is there should be a thoughtful process by which people determine college is not for everybody. Now, I'm not saying I think that uh, I'm not going to say that everyone has a right to go to college because they certainly don't. But in other words, I'm not trying to dissuade people who believe that college is something they want to do. Go to college. My point is, it's this idea that everyone must go to college. Why? Why? There's, there's people that will do much better who go take on a trade, go into business. In other words, to your point, you've got, we're churning out people with these incredibly useless degrees in whatever, name your studies or, you know, naked performance art for social justice or whatever. And so why is that college right now is essentially about, I want four years to kind of have a great experience and hang with my friends and party and you know stay in this really nice apartment that they that's why it costs $75,000 and yeah sure I'll learn some stuff but maybe. so so maybe you make people think through the costs and benefits of that particular transaction and right now they're insulated from all of those considerations it it doesn't hit their wallet and of course if you're going to make it free who wouldn't want to do that i'll just go party for 4
0: years well uh I would contend that there's probably a segment of the population who does that. They don't they don't graduate with a degree, they they fail out because they can't even hack it because they literally never show up for class.
1: But they deserve it, Chad. Yes, everybody. They deserve it. They deserve a what is the what's the word that they use? A um a living a living wage, right? Oh, the government yeah. should provide that. It's the Remember remember Obama The Life of Julia? Do you remember that incredibly creepy where it was literally a like an animated slide of essentially, look, the government can take care of you. It's like the matrix. From the day that you're born to the day that you die, all you need is the government. We can provide everything. And that's what they want. That's what they want people to believe.
0: That's not factually accurate, but that's okay. I would be remiss if I didn't end the show tonight with a discussion of um, some pain that some, some of our listeners are having tonight. Um, Penn State football is 0 5. Oh, did they um, lose again? They did. They, this is the worst start in the history. Wait, are
1: they 0? I think they're 0 4, aren't they?
0: Or they lost to Iowa today. They're 0 5. So, wait, they,
1: so they've lost to Indiana, Ohio State, um, Iowa who, oh, Maryland, and who's
0: the fifth? Uh, I don't remember now. I'm it, pretty sure they're 0-4. No, they're 0-5. I, I, let me pull up their record. Because okay. I must have missed a game. No. Did I miss a game
1: between Maryland and Iowa?
0: Uh, let me see here. I, I can't. I, see, I, I set it up, and I didn't even know the answer yet. Let me. Well, see.
1: here's the thing. As you look that up, I would point out that um, the Great University of Michigan is not exactly setting the world on fire.
0: Uh, no, no, it is not. That um, was wrong. What is
1: Michigan's record now? Are they up to two wins? They're one
0: and three, and they're one point up on Rutgers, who is also one and three. Wow, um, they stink. Uh, let's just say they stink.
1: How can is how can Jim Harbaugh have a
0: job after this season? Oh, Nebraska. They lost Nebraska too. Penn State. Oh, okay. I missed Nebraska. That was last wow. Week. Yeah, they are zero and five, worst start in the history of the program, which started in eighteen eighty seven.
1: Well, uh, I would say that suddenly, who you know, a guy that you thought would not be on the hot seat, James Franklin is. Uh, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat because he's had some good seasons there. But listen,
0: well,
1: uh, we, what, this if the, they finish this out, you know, so this season is a complete disaster for them. Um,
0: they're going to they have to figure something they out. Next they got Michigan they, coming, they, coming next week. They have a good shot at that one. <laughs>
1: No, Michigan, Michigan will beat them.
0: Oh, Um, I I don't have that same confidence. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, like I said, I'm not, you know, we live in an area that's hugely, uh, Penn state. I'm kind of one of these people. It doesn't really bother me. I don't. Penn state does well. Great. I, I sort of root for them just because they're kind of the local team, but I don't, it doesn't bother me when they lose. I'm just sort of like, okay, well they're having a bad year, but this is an incredibly, I mean, what was their preseason ranking? They were, I think they were like number eight in the country,
0: eight in the country, which gets
1: back to the point that you and I continually make, which is why do we have rankings before the season? Meanwhile, now Indiana lost today, but they gave Ohio state all they wanted Um, Indiana was clearly, Indiana wasn't even close to the top 25. Indiana is clearly, they, they beat Michigan, they beat Penn state and they took Ohio state. I think they lost 42 to 35. Indiana is probably one of the top 10 teams in the country. And yet the preseason poll, they were just their usual and non-factor, not even considered.
0: If we're being honest, the polls are about what you've done in the past and not what you've done currently, unfortunately. Well, preseason polls anyway. So if you've got a good program, Ohio State gets a ranking that may or, they may or may not deserve. Penn State gets a ranking they may or may not deserve. And Penn State has a lot of apologists who will tell you, well, they, a lot of people opt out. They had injuries. They don't have a running game. Clifford is regressed. All that's true. But you're still 0-5 and, and you have 100 kids on the team. Well, and the other thing is, listen... Elite.
1: If you want to be an elite program, and and Franklin made this point, where it's like we're 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 a really good program. We're not elite. But here's the thing: if you are a perennial, let's say, and Penn State recently has been let's say a perennial top, close to top ten, let's say top fifteen team. Mm-hmm. You don't see other perennial top fifteen teams starting zero and five. No. Okay, that that doesn't that doesn't happen because these teams are so well stocked and they may have a down year. They might have a five hundred season. Okay, sure. that can happen with you lose a star quarterback, you have some transfers, you have some injuries, whatever. But zero and five indicates a real problem, which means you don't have the wherewithal to replace. Fine, you had losses um, mm. in terms of personnel, but. Your, your cupboard in terms of who's coming up behind to slot in, not so good, not so good.
0: Well, I, I have a gentleman who comes to my office every week after the game and tells me why they should do better and that they're a better team than their record and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he said when they lost to Ohio State, they were 0-2 and therefore they had nothing else to play for. And I said, they had six games to play for. Some of these kids actually want to go pro or they actually want to move up, or they actually want to play, and they want to do well because their friends and family are watching. Don't tell me you have nothing to play for. You, you weren't going to win a national title. Well, you know how many people win a national title in the Division One? One. That's it.
1: Well, the other thing so- is, if, if if it's about you want to have to win a national title, unless you're playing for Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio state this season, you're not going to win a national title. So basically everyone should give up then, except for those three teams, because they're the only yeah. three teams that have a legitimate shot at this. I do think, again, I haven't paid attention closely to the games. I mean, I, I saw most of the Ohio state game, but I have a feeling that what is being signified here is that there's a large group of kids on that team who, if they haven't totally given up, it's sort of like, we're done with this season. You know, it's shattered. I think when they got to 0-3 after the Maryland game, it was sort of like, we're done. We're playing in front of empty stadiums. Our season's going nowhere. At 0-3, you're not, you know, what what are you going to get? You're going to go to one of the, I don't know, the the pool and Weed Whacker Bowl or whatever. Um, So I do think this seems, it smells a lot like we've sort of thrown in the towel.
0: Well, they're in luck. They will not have to go anywhere for New Year's. Because they will not be going anywhere for New Year's, but Michigan's no better. And, and I think this is this is Harbaugh's last season in Michigan, in my opinion. He's got another year left on his contract, but he is duplicating what he did in San Francisco to to make an exit. He, you will find out at the end of this season that he will somehow magically be somewhere else by mutual agreement, because he is basically mailing it in.
1: The I don't think. He, is, look, well, here is the thing: if you know anything about Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't mail it in. Okay, so in other words, he's oh. he's kind of a psycho. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite all time quotes, and I want to see. He was when when he played his brother when he was so the Harbaugh brothers played in the Super Bowl when the Niners played the Ravens. John Harbaugh coaches the Ravens, and one of the they wanted to get a family picture of the Harbaughs at midfield. Jim Harbaugh had to be forced to actually take part in that picture, not because he doesn't like his family, because he was just too busy. And my other favorite, and I think he made this quote at the Super Bowl, is it was something along the lines of, he was talking about sort of his work-life balance. And he said, essentially, I don't do holidays. I don't do, you know, I, I don't do Christmas. I'm a jackhammer. Now that was, that was literally, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, boy, exactly. if you're, if you're his wife, that, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm married and the, I'm married to the jackhammer. Um, yeah. so <laughs> my, my theory, my theory about Harbaugh is that I actually think he's a good coach, but he wears out his welcome. In about like three, he's got like a three to four year shelf life. Now it's easier for him in college in some respects because you're constantly cycling through players, but nevertheless, his kind of captain Ahab deal, it only, it only goes so far. And here's the thing. They can tolerate it when you're winning. If you combine his personality with not winning (laughs) <laughs> it's it's intolerable, right? You you just can't stand it anymore.
0: Sure thing. So I have to point this out. We're not a video podcast, so nobody can see this. But Tony made multiple references. Uh, he, he used the words Joe Biden. He talked about being a lawyer. He talked about Joe Flacco, which was the quarterback. Wait,
1: talked about Joe Flacco?
0: You said this: the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. That oh, was that's, Joe Flacco versus... Right.
1: I know Paul. where you're going with this, Chad.
0: He's wearing...
1: A Delaware blue hens. No, no, wait. I it's, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember?
0: Oh yes. So, That's so, right.
1: Joe, Joe Biden, one of his greatest gaffes ever standing <laughs> with a Delaware blue hen. What was it? Like a, a, a blazer or something. Yeah. And he literally in Philadelphia That's and right. says, I'm, I'm wearing the, uh, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I, I mean, that's enough to get you murdered in Philadelphia. Oh, they, they threw snowballs at Santa,
0: yeah, and they still voted for him. But You're I just put right. that out. Joe Biden and Tony are both lawyers. One went to Delaware. One's wearing a Delaware shirt. I I just have to say, there's a connection. Maybe he voted for Trump. Maybe he voted for Biden. He's actually doctor. I you found me out. I I actually wrote in Chuck Norris. That that's what I did. <laughs> I just had to point that out because you guys can't see that, but uh, our intelligent writer here uh, is is all blue hens tonight.
1: That's because i get I get all manner of gear from one of my sisters who is a coach, and her current husband uh, is all he's a football coach. And so he had been a coach at I have a lot of Richmond gear because my sister was a coach at Richmond, and he was a coach at Delaware. And so she always sends me this cool gear. And so I have, I have Indiana stuff. I have Richmond stuff. I have Delaware stuff, uh, and it's all good. I mean, look these these teams get kitted out, so it's nice. Sure, but yeah, I, I don't. I, other than I, that, I have no, I have no
0: affiliation to the Blue Hens or to Joe Biden. That's or correct. Maybe he does. I don't, I don't know. He likes to not pay taxes on his purchases. I, I, I don't also,
1: know. I also defeated corn pop when I was in school. <laughs> okay see it's because his, his he was all delaware. over the place now look we're we're not that far from delaware his territory chad was I vast I it
0: know. wasn't just
1: at that delaware swimming pool okay <laughs> oh so yeah. i had to, i had to deal with
0: corn pop in my neighborhood too yeah, totally makes sense i totally get that anything else you wanted to add tonight tony no i think that was a, that was a good way to go out <laughs> hey thanks for joining us i'm
1: chad i'm tony good night
0: thanks for listening this has been a hannah tree production